This is HPR episode 1991 entitled, Adventures Installing Linux on an Acer Seabook X205A. It is posted by BEZ and is about 18 minutes long. The summary is, Installation Instructions from Lessons Learned the Hard Way. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. This is Be Easy, signing back in for Hacker Problem Radio. It's been a little bit of time since the last time I recorded, but I have a couple cool things to talk about, so I'll do this one. I'll probably do one more after this. So this time, we're going to talk about installing any Linux distro, but specifically Ubuntu 15.10, Ubuntu Mate 15.10, on an ASUS triple ebook X205A. I was looking for something that was really small, like my biggest, and I and I kept on searching on Newegg and on Amazon for something that met my requirements, which was something that needed to be really small, lightweight, and had a really good battery life. I was leaning towards a Chromebook for a while because I figured it would be easier to get Linux on it, but then I saw this and I thought this would be a really good uh, buy. I found an open box. Asus Triple E, Triple E book, for one forty nine ninety nine, brand new open box. Uh, on Newegg, usually it's about two hundred, so it's about fifty dollars off. So I'm like, these guys are basically asking me to just buy this thing. There's no reason why I shouldn't. It's almost free, <laughs> so I just I decided to get it, and I didn't. I honestly underestimated how hard it was going to be. Uh, to get it on. I haven't had to worry about this because I've had either System76 computers which always have Linux installed and always are easy to reload with other distributions as you want or old Dells that are really easy as well. You might have to worry about the Broadcom chip. That's about it. Um, so, I, w- I said, what's, how hard could it be? So, first thing I did, I, l- I looked at the, I got it I didn't want to accept the EULA from went from Microsoft, so I, I immediately turned off, um, went into the BIOS, turned off Secure Boot, and eventually I turned Secure Boot back on because Ubuntu has an EFI support, but turned off Secure Boot so I could get it uh, to get Ubuntu Mate installed on Mate, and turns out I had downloaded 32-bit thinking that since it only has 2 gig of RAM, that it would be a good idea. Little did I know that the machine has EFI and there are no Ubuntu um, distributions that have in their installer 
EFI. So I had to do 64-bit, which wasn't a problem. The processor, which is a Intel Atom, what is it? It's like a Z2337, something like that. You can look it up. I have in the show notes some of the specs and stuff. But the um, it, it supports that, but it, it, you know, it's really kind of a waste because of the limited RAM and you know the limited Btrel Atom processor. But turns out that I had to go with 64-bit. But 64-bit has a 64-bit version of EFI uh, Grub on it. So the first time I tried to boot off it, I never even recognized that there was a, a bootable drive inserted. And it took me a while looking online, figured out that what you have to do is you have to actually install a 32-bit version of EFI on the 64-bit installer. So there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can either um, download the source code and compile it. I also found a link to it already pre-compiled so I put that in the show notes as well. And all you have to do from that, at that point is after you, I use DD, or actually I use DCFLDD to get, um, to turn an ISO into a, a USB stick. Because that way at the end it can put hash equals MD5 or H265 and it'll automatically, after it's done, um, DDing the, the, uh, ISO, it also put the hash so you can see if the DD worked properly. So I recommend using DCFL DD if you can. Uh, anyway, the uh, once it's on there, you just have to take the 32-bit version of Grub and stick it in the EFI folder this under you know under root EFI boot. Stick it right next to the 64-bit. You don't have to remove the 64-bit version; just put it in there. Then it, uh, when you start up, it'll recognize. So went through that, got it to boot. Said yes, got everything to install. I saw a couple of guys online, which I'm including in the show notes, that helped me get through all the difficulties that I had. It wasn't really that bad. The biggest uh, deal is that there is no support for the Realtek sound card that's in here. So even though I'm actually recording this on the um, the X205 right now, I'm doing it through a USB headset because the sound works through there just fine. But the Realtek um, is, is one of those single port um, audio video that doesn't work in the and the speakers don't work either. And everywhere online said it doesn't work yet. I'm hoping that a future release of the kernel will update it. And it will work, but right now it doesn't. But getting back to where I was, so boot boots. I figured it would be a problem with um, getting on the internet, which there was. But the, it's actually a really easy fix. You just have to basically designate which one of the items in your firmware is your is your version of the Broadcom chip, and then it's in the show notes. You basically have to just make a hard link. Or actually, I didn't do a hard look. I copied the NVRAM. Um, I, I copied the NVRAM ID into the firmware settings, and like I said, it's on the show notes. I don't feel like looking at looking it up right now. I'm trying to do all this without using notes, so forgive me if it's a little rambly. 
but I'm trying not to. Uh, I wanted to do the show, and I didn't want to have a lot of barriers, like writing the notes ahead of time. So <laughs> I'm just winging it. Anyway, uh, getting that after you after you move the um, copy the file from the the firmware location to the Proxis EFI E5Rs location. All you have to do after that is just go in the mod probe and remove BRMACF, BRM, you know, the Broadcom uh, module and with, you know, mod probe dash R, BRMFAC, whatever it is, and then mod probe it back up, and then all of a sudden it works. Which is really important because this uh, computer is so thin, it doesn't have room for an Ethernet cable. So, only 32-bit 30, of, of RAM, of uh, hard drive space on it, but it has a spot for micro SD, and I actually have a 128-gigabyte gigabyte SD card that was for free that I got with my LG G4 as a part of a promotion. So I slapped that in here, and now it's like one of the biggest hard drives I have in the laptop right now. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Anyway, uh, once the Wi-Fi came up, you know, sudo apt-get uh, update and upgrade, bring down all the new stuff, and then the next thing was to get the that card to work, the SD card to work. So there's another little thing I had to go into, grub default settings and make a modification there, which is also in the show notes, to make sure that the... Um, SD card and the Broadcom card didn't interfere with each other, and sometimes when I boot, it still does have a problem. So I don't, I don't know if, if I'm going to take the time to figure it out. But if when I do have the problem, the SD card always works, but I have to mod probe dash R BRM the Broadcom chip and then bring it back up, and then everything works again. Sometimes when I start, I think sometimes if I log in too fast, so getting to the boot screen and putting in my username and password and getting in, in too fast. The, the Broadcom chip never gets recognized. I think that's what it is, but I haven't spent that much time worrying about it. Okay, so after getting the uh, wireless working, getting the SD card working, everything seems to be working just fine, except for I took, I tried to boot it again, and it doesn't boot. I can stick the uh, the mate, the Ubuntu Bate ISO d thumb drive in again, and that'll boot, but the system won't boot itself. So I, I do the live and I go into the live environment again. I go into um, boot EFI. Nothing's in the nothing's in the the directory. I try to just move stuff manually into the directory. Try to boot it, doesn't work. I look for some other places to to, to make it work. I'm really not that good with. Um, with Grub, I don't have that much experience messing around with Grub. So the only thing for maybe the first couple of days, half a week, that, or maybe even a whole week that I was using this new laptop, the I had to keep the thumb drive, the live thumb drive, with me so that I can go into Grub and just go, you know, do the Grub commands to to select my um, kernel and select my NRD. And boot it, so I had to do that. I'm like, this can't be the way I'm going to use this computer. So I'm thinking about giving it back, sending it back. 
at this point. I look a little, around a little bit more online. I found this thing on GitHub that says what to do with this exact, um, basically with this exact problem. But it's referring to 1410. But it's the same exact computer. At the end, I'm like, well, I did all these. It has all the sim, uh, similar instructions at the beginning. But at the end, it talks about how to get Grub to work. And so there's there's a Git clone to bring down um, from git.savannah.gnu.org to Git Grub, and then configure it with platform equals EFI target equals I386 and make and then CD grub core and then run grub install dash D dot dash dash EFI dash directory slash boot slash EFI dash dash target equals I386 CD into the boot slash EFI slash capital EFI and then copy grub slash grub32 um, i32.efi into a new directory that you call Ubuntu. So I did all that. Once again, this is going to be in the show notes as well. It's kind of hard to follow along when people are giving uh, command line items. So, and usually people don't try to do it with at the same time, especially something that's as involved as installing a distro. But anyway, um, got that the so I tried that, just copied the stuff in there, did sudo reboot since I was already on the command line, and it came back up and it booted. And so um, thankfully, this uh, little computer has been great since then. The Intel Atom uh, processor is exactly what I thought it would be, nothing more, nothing less. The the graphics are exactly what they thought I, would, I thought they would be. Um, so it's a... 1368 by 7 1366 by 768 screen which actually doesn't look too bad in the 11.6 inch form factor um, and it's the glossy uh, screen not the matte screen which is good for this caliber of computer because in my experience these like 200 250 computers that have the matte finish always have that washed out look and I appreciated that this one didn't have that so in terms of what it looks like, I, I went into um, Mate Tweak or Mate Tweak and turned off compositing because what I primarily use this for is basically Vim. It's my little Vim machine. So and so syncing with Dropbox, syncing with um, or being on my network and using the um, using my NFS mounted shares, being um, doing development work or, or taking notes. That's all I want to use it for, so I can be in Starbucks with a really light thing and like put it in my hand, don't, not even have to carry a, a laptop bag and just be that mobile. So it's doing exactly what I wanted to do perfectly. I use, um, actually I'm using W3M a lot more than I, us I used to. I used to use Lynx a lot and use um, Firefox when I'm not using Lynx. And Firefox works, but it just boots kind of slow. It starts up kind of slow, as you can imagine, because on my i7 processor, it doesn't. It's not the fastest thing. So obviously, on a Intel Atom, it's not going to go very fast. But once you're in there and you're doing stuff, it's fine. And the two gig of RAM actually is fine uh, for everything that I do. I never have more than three or four tabs open. And then if I need to, 
do stuff more powerful. I'll SSH into other machines. And I also have offload a lot of the work that I might do onto other machines. Like I have a Raspberry Pi that instead of being able to have like um, virtual environments on this computer, I have Raspberry Pi that all it is is a web server for this um, this Django app that I'm developing. So it just runs that all day and I just go in there and, and do everything. So no matter what computer I'm on, I'm always on the Raspberry Pi. And then I, I use Pandoc a lot and running Pandoc on this or the Raspberry Pi is not the fastest thing in the world. But instead of wasting all that space, especially the gigabyte that it takes to get text live on the, on on uh, working with Pandoc, I just put that on a Raspberry Pi B plus that I have, and so and I set up a little thing with Incron that when I put um, a, a file in a folder, it automatically runs a Pandoc command to turn it into a PDF and puts it into another folder. Uh, I'm gonna do another show on that about how cool Incron is and how you can work with it. Uh, but that's, um, so having lots of little small computers, little small Intel, Atom, and ARM-based processors on my LAN makes it so that I can, you know, use the power of all of them together instead of each of them individually. But yeah, that's my story. I'm really satisfied with this um, little navy blue uh, Asus X205A. And I hope to be using it more and more in the future. It's not going to take the place of my my uh, desktop computer or my work laptop, which are both System76. Um, it's not meant to. I wasn't. I didn't have any illusions that I was going to do all the things that I do on those machines. It was a a purchase for a specific reason, and it does the things that I wanted to do. So, in general, I'm very happy. Uh, with this purchase after it took a little bit of work and hopefully as this uh, gets a little bit older some of those things will be considered I know that a lot of Linux distributions right now aren't even considering putting uh, e EFI support on 386 because they're trying to not do 386 um, formatted distros in general a lot I know a lot of people are, are dropping support for it um, but the idea of having a 32-bit version of EFI on the installer, I don't think it's too much to ask um, on, on the 64-bit version so that these low, uh, and we, we don't just give all these low-end uh, spec computers to Microsoft and say, well, they're not for Linux. <laughs> if we can make it a little bit easier, I think they'll be, they'll be good little machines to run. But that's it. Uh, thank you for your time, and this is Be Easy signing off. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.